Welcome to Walk the Line, the podcast for people working in off-site construction, hosted by Chris Ward from Trunk. I'll kick us off then with just the first question, please, Ryan, which is just okay. a bit about you and your role at NAR. Uh, yes, well, I'm a director and shareholder. I've been with the business for just over four years and historically worked for a sustainable developer who were, managed, were developing houses to high, efficient, high efficiency levels, similar to Passive House through a SIP system before that company in Leeds. And then before that, again, my grounding is effectively in main contracting. So I worked for a company called BAM Construction. We're a big global builder. We had a really great grounding with them. Worked with some fantastic teams and we're exposed to quite a lot of high value projects like Leeds Arena and some university buildings around Yorkshire. But yeah, it's out on the MMC journey effectively through the SIPs builder in Leeds and then effectively to MAR. Okay. Okay. And then if we think about where you're up to with MAR in the moment, I've been aware of the business for a good time, but just some looking online at what you've been up to more recently. And it's been really interesting. Going through your LinkedIn feed is really interesting to see. What you're but tell me about some of your successes in the last 12 months. Normally we naturally talk about some of the things that are challenging at the moment, but I'd like to recognize successes. What's been stood out there for you? In the last 12 months? I think for me, we, we've grown significantly. I think that's the most, most impressive thing really of what we've done is we've aligned and a really strong management team now and we've brought in some people that I think are really going to help us take the business to the next level and constantly pushing for improvement. The business has grown really from a turnover of 6 million in 2019 to this year, we should be up around the 30 million pound turnover mark. So 6 million, 20 to 30 million is no mean feat, particularly when the business is run by the same kind of three shareholders that it has been for forever, no external private equity money or anything else. It's so basically, for me, the big achievements have been building a team of really solid senior management leaders who are really driving the business at all different areas and delivering out some fantastic and amazing projects along the way of which I think are really starting to push the boundaries of what's available in the UK from the from the modular construction market. And again, a good example of that would probably be the Boho project up in Middlesbrough which is a huge cantilevered office structure that the concept from the architects in the Northeast was around Lego. Uh, now those could be arranged to really give that feel. And what I'm really pleased about our team is that they didn't see that necessarily as a burden, but as a real challenge. And we delivered out a fantastic scheme that's picked up awards. And I think really is a good testament to what the business can achieve at its best. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. One of 12 months to look back on and be proud of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned there sort of scaling the business in terms of turnover. You've increased profitability as well. Individually, those two things are quite hard to do and you've managed to do both. What's the secret? Is it one big thing, two big things, or is it lots of small changes? I think it's a lot of small changes. I think we had itself and the shareholders had quite a direct discussion a few years ago around what we all wanted from the business and aligning that strategy quite closely and then bringing an understanding you don't know everything, bringing in good people who can help you deliver it has been transformative for us. We're supported by a fantastic team, but also the subcontractors and supply chain that we work with are really on message and what we're trying to do too. And scaling a business, a bootstrapping a business effectively to that size and scale isn't an easy feat. So it's taken a lot of kind of development in that regard. I think the other kind of transformative thing for us is that we always felt we moved into a new factory just over kind of 12, 13 months ago now. We led an almighty challenge at the manufacturing director's door, which is we needed to move from the old factory to the new factory and do it quickly as we've still delivering orders and the team really stood up to the challenge. But having what is now 100,000 square feet of manufacturing space has unlocked a lot more opportunities. So it was a big effort for us and a big decision from the shareholders to move from a safe 
manufacturing environment that was profitable and taking over to let's move to a facility that is you know, four times the size of what we had with no real order to show for it. But our risk has been rewarded because I think clients like working with us and us scaling up as long as our projects. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. I'm glad, to, I'm glad to hear it's going so well. Yeah. Without its challenges, as any business is, but in, in the same respect, if we zoom out from the day to day, cut the thrust of business and, and look back at what everyone's achieved and then what wider clients have achieved in the supply chain and our team individually, I've never known a business that's hired, promoted so many people so quickly because we've been really, I'd like to say lucky in a way that we've attracted such great staff. And as you say, long may that continue. Yeah, well, you've lined up perfectly actually with your answers here as to what uh, my impression of MAR is really, and the sort of theme through that is people, really. Yeah. We, you've said that multiple times, and I've always seen that with MAR. And if you think about your team, what is it? What is it that you do differently with your team? What has the biggest impact? Because it's clearly a really important thing to do. It's really the number one thing that's making a difference in the business right now. But what's the what's the thing that you might do differently, maybe rather than your competitors? I think we've always taken a view of the world that. Having myself worked in a corporate environment, which was very progressive in many ways, didn't always allow for people to let out their own monster in their entrepreneur. So what we've tried to do at MBR is create an environment where there's no real bad ideas. Nobody knows anything. We all sit around the table and we work hard and we entertain things that are a little bit off the wall. So I think one thing that we've done, which is different to others is because we've got a shareholder team, which has been active operationally within the business. We're able to look at life through a lens where we're not having to almost answer to equity investors that are removed from the day-to-day running of the business. So the challenges are almost in your face and you can see them. So what we've, what that's able, been able to really to do is then just reverse that back into a management team and say, look, here's where the growth ambitions are and here's what's in it for you if we can get there together. I think what that's allowed us to do really is I think people, whilst they're still employed, Many of them are still employed as employees and salaried. It's really people who've been a little bit frustrated, maybe in all places, been able to come in with the ideas that they couldn't deliver out there. Uh, and it's given them, I like to think, a safe zone, effectively, to be a bit more creative. And I think that tells really, as we've said, in the types of projects that we deliver, the types of clients that really enjoy working with us, because most of our business comes from repeat business. And again, being that transparent and open internally allows us to be transparent and open with our clients to say, we're a good team here and here's what we want to achieve can we do that with you i think for offsite construction which isn't as reactive as maybe the cycles of construction and the ups and downs that that come with it that's such an important aspect of those relationships and that all starts with how do we want to work as senior leaders business and what do we want our team to echo out into the working environment and yeah that's what's worked really well for us, but he, you're exactly right. We're glad that you've seen that as an outsider looking in, that we do want to be people focused and we believe only good things happen when you align the right people with the right message in order to deliver. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that's a principle that can be applied in many places as well. It's not just construction, take that model and that how do you build a fantastic core team and put that into it. Like works in sport, we know that when you look at all teams that are winning here with their F1 teams that are winning, it all comes down to a great team. You look at other businesses in other sectors that are winning, it comes back to that. It really does. I think the reality of the situation as well as over the last two years, our approach has really leaned into what the industry and the wider world has been doing too. So when the pandemic really started and we had to really look at working practices, 
In fact, we've built quite a lot of trust with the team already to say things like, one of the things that gets parried around our office all the time is, work where you're most productive, right? Work where you're most productive. I don't mind. It'll be different for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, but almost overnight then as you quickly dishing out laptops to people who've never had them, that metric and that ethos carried us through for the first few months, despite the challenges that were there. And what it's also allowed us to do, which I think we'll hopefully come on to in our conversation is finding the right skills, particularly in a growing market like offsite, which effectively is a blend of construction skills, manufacturing skills, commercial awareness, and also customer service and problem solving to find ways to do things that aren't on a well-trodden path. means that you've almost overnight through this transition of work where you're most productive and actually that do we really need people within a 20 mile radius of Hull becomes actually we can look more globally, but especially within like the UK, Scotland, Northern Ireland, where some of those, some of those professionals actually are, and we can find a way to be able to, to bring those individuals into the team. So it's, yeah, it's definitely opened our eyes. And I think it aligns really with our message more generally. Just one of those things I wish we'd maybe put more emphasis on soon. Yeah. Okay. All right. Inter- interesting. It's really interesting. I, I, I could have a, a long conversation about just how businesses have changed, have had to change and adapt in the last couple of years and what most of it, almost all of it is better for the positive. So you'd never wish for it sort of five years ago, but we're almost grateful for it. A little bit looking back. So then applies to us now business as well. All right. Okay. There's something you just mentioned there, which is a question I had noted, which is I see your projects and how different they are. And when we look at this sector and we talk to, and we sort of have a unique position and then we get to talk to lots of different businesses about their strategy and their approach. And offsite is sort of this hybrid, isn't it? Of construction and manufacturing. It's shifted mindsets as well into this manufacturing approach from construction. And somebody who refers to their factory as then previously being a, a building site with a roof over it. Where are you with that? Because manufacturing, you mentioned Devon Splash before the interview, manufacturing, they've got a, they've got a small product range, two, three different products. That's definitely sort of a manufacturing mindset. Very efficient in what you get out of the door, but also very varied. So, so where do you see yourself? Well, where, because we're not highly capitalized in maybe the same way as that Urban Splash are and, and some of the other kind of bigger players really and well respected as bigger players in the industry. Their business models rely on the fact that they are effectively the client as well as the contractor and manufacturer. Where our approach really is that we see, you know, manufacturing and construction now is effectively a spectrum. So you've got manufactured products at one end, which is, we call them goosewing grade boxes that the whole industry can do with their eyes closed. And then the other end of the spectrum, which is well, there's a complex project here that could probably be better delivered with modern methods of construction. Now, what we try not to do is, of course, we've got a volumetric factory we want to fill, but what we want to do is look at life through the lens of the customer. We know that the world's moving, but we've got a lot of customers that 90% of customers sit in the middle and they're just like, we want to, if you ask most customers, if you would snap your fingers and have a building there, would you fit? Nine times out of 10, they go, yes. 18 months on a construction project with the risk of contractors going bust, problems digging up a Roman chariot, all these different risks, which they may feel like they've encapsulated with a good main contractor and passed the risk to them for them to manage. But the reality is that it always how it plays out. So it's most difficult end. Clients aren't always getting what they want in the way that they want it. So actually what we try and do is work with clients where we'd say, Let's not over, overly compromise too soon on the look and feel of the building that you want to deliver. Just look at a way that we can get involved as you start drawing up those early plans to see if we can put some 
modern methods of construction sense to it. And we'll try to push it around a volumetric grid as where we can. But our team are absolutely clear. We've worked with clients recently where we've said to them, thanks for coming to us. We think you're best delivering this with a panelized solution. Or actually, it's so complex. We don't think that the benefit in time is worth moving away from maybe using block and brick. Uh, we offer that advice up front. Now, what that's starting to do is build a bit of trust in the marketplace where people will come to us and we can look at the project as a whole. And what I think is special about us in the way that we do things is because we've brought in some really good construction people as well as some amazing manufacturing people, we're not having to give this, it's either this or that approach. So some projects we've got, at Sturton Park and Ride, which was a project done alongside a company called Bam Nuttall, we're a big civil engineering outfit. We did a 10 minutes building for them at a park and ride, which was about 50% volumetric for all the um, staff, you know, the, sorry, the customer waiting areas, uh, staff welfare areas, toilets. But the other half of the building was all um, Tesla battery transformers and um, HV rooms. Well, if you look at that project as a problem, well, one side lends itself absolutely to a volumetric approach. But the other side of the project lends itself more welcome to a, a more heavier contracting approach in terms of a steel frame, a concrete, because of its function. So I think what we do really well is we sit in the middle and we're able to decide how much MMC we do or don't bring forward. If we the clients to, the, the 90% of clients who sit in the middle of well, I love it if, it's, if it works for me and really understanding what value meets them. And that's where I think we fit really nicely. That's really interesting. I love that. I mean, that's really interesting that you're looking at the finding the right solution rather than what's the saying? When all you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail sort of approach. We, we do see it a lot in the marketplace. And our biggest challenge at the moment is, is, is bringing client advisors, the PMs, the QSs, the architects of the world. You can't do it with everybody. So we've got to be very selective about the people that we want to work with. But we're also happy then to make them look good. So if they're in a situation where they want to say to a client, clients are often saying at this moment in time, Things like the, the three buzzwords I get are zero carbon, NMC, BIM. And they're saying that to the consultants in the hope that the consultants understand that. But consultants only know what they've seen and been exposed to. So actually we work with quite a lot of the bigger consultants to say, we can put this into some shape for you. And maybe don't, you don't have to offer it as a one-stop. You can only use somebody like MAR to do this because there aren't that many of us. But actually offer it as a proposal to your client. Say, if you thought about doing low carbon and MC thing, actually, if you've really went into that and you want to progress your sounds, contracts like this can do those things. While still leaving the procurement options on the table, it's all about for us. We're not a business that we intends to not be here in the, in the long term. We want to be here forever. So building those early foundational bricks of trust knowledge is really important to us in our growth plan. So we'll look back at the last sort of 12 months and what's happened, but just looking forward then, there's obviously exciting things on the horizon, but what's the, what's the biggest challenge for you over the next sort of 12 months or maybe right now? Yeah, I mean, for us, I think that we mentioned earlier that we're a business of three shareholders, which is really doing a fantastic job of managing cash and cash flow. So we, are, we know that as a team, to hit our next level of growth, what we need to do is really capitalise the business. So, so looking to bring in partners and support where we can do that, it's going to be really crucial to the next few years in terms of growth. You just can't fund a business with the targets that we've got in mind of £50 million turnover and still remaining profitable, which we have done historically without that injection of cash to be able to really bring in the new staff, onboard people, bring people up, open those market sectors up a little bit further, do the right levels of business development, 
and almost most importantly, which is where we've always historically placed our chips, so to speak, is in the efficient operation process. Because we see a lot in the marketplace at the moment, people that talk a really good game and then they can't always deliver the back end. I think we've got the flip side then of people who are amazing at the back end, often owner-operated businesses that just probably don't scream loud enough at the front end to really build the pipeline. And that does take staff and it does take money. So so for us, maintaining the growth is going to be the most challenging thing for us. There are external pressures in the marketplace at the moment, as we all know, with supply chain, inflation issues. My personal feeling is that we're through the worst that now. Things are lost, things are not coming down to where they were before in terms of lead times or cost. It's, I've had three months of relative consistent advice from the steel markets telling us what we can and can't do. And relative consistent advice from our key subcontractors on, you know, cost of foundations and things. So there are always external pressures too, of which nobody's immune. But for us, all things been equal, continuing to grow the business at the scale of which we've done over the last two or three years. We've really pushed ourselves to do it and, and maintaining that is bringing in the right people is going to be the next step around. Fantastic. Well, sounds like a good challenge. Sounds like one you'd be very proud of when you're on the other side of it. And yeah, an, an interesting sort of 12 months ahead of all that growth. Absolutely. Well, I completely agree. We were talking just before the before we started about this transition and technology. And offsite is one of those places where it can make a real potentially used in the right yeah. way. What, what do you say is the opportunity for technology and digitization in, in offsite going? I think for me, the reality is that you can't prove, prove anything without first measuring it. And I think that what's difficult in the market at the moment, particularly in businesses like ours, is that a lot of those 1% improvements in all aspects of the business need to add up together to see a real change and an improvement in output, profitability and everything. So I think for me, what's been really exciting for me in our really relatively early journey in digitization is the fact that it's getting us to rethink a lot of the old processes as we're starting to almost see the world through a did flow chart and map to go, well, actually, what is it we're actually trying to identify and what we're trying to improve? And almost then almost laying the digital processes as the big net to catch all that information. Now, when you're not working digitally, unpicking all that so that it goes from strands of information to insight is very difficult. Whereas the best technology that's available in the marketplace almost does that for you. So I see that as being the real benefit really is if we can create a world where the right digital inputs are put in at design, the right digital inputs are, are then are passed through the business, through the operation. And at the end of it, we've got insights along the way in order for us to tweak and improve. We've captured all information at the moment that the vast majority of it is lost because you just can't put enough human capital in and afford enough human capital to process it. So I, I see that as a real good opportunity. Onward from that, I think the UK is a real hotbed of of this next generation of modern methods of construction. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love the fact that I see a world where developing a sizable operation that can be, have a true digital process run through it, for me, that's entirely portable. So if we can work together with people where that becomes a portable, almost licensed or franchised, there's nothing to say that you can't take that to places like Australia or New Zealand or where the USA has got one of the biggest housing shortages in the world at the moment in terms of they're not building anywhere near what they need to do. So actually, if you can bring that information, that technology forward and then drop that into a new geographical constraint, whether that be the UK or, as you say, it's far away as Australia, 
And actually, I think that's a real opportunity for a lot of the off-site and digital players within it. Because overnight, you talk about scale. People talk about scale as being square meters of factories, whereas I see scale a little bit differently, which is how many, how much skills do we need to be able to deliver out and scale this? Yeah. And how do we do it quickly and cost-effectively? Now, we all know that factories are not easy to achieve to set up. Actually, if you've got almost all those brains condensed into a digital process, that is a big chunk. You're looking at sheds and kits at that point, which is tons easier to raise finance for than speculative human beings to do it. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, for me, two, twofold. Capturing the information that we currently lose and we can't get the insight is so important. But then, once that's refined, making that into a product in its own right so that we can help people all around the world really deliver out amazing projects. Yeah, yeah. Well, we use the phrase of using technology to deliver more homes. And when, when you're doing that, when you're following that process, that digital process becomes an asset. Then an asset to the business drives business value. It's an asset that you can work hard. You invest in it, but you get many times to return back, just like a true asset. There's some, there's, you're leveraging technology and, and that in there, ultimately making the physical tools, the people, your buildings and that kind of investment far more efficient. So yeah, really interesting. I think it's important what you just covered there, Christo. Like you guys have set a really clear vision. And I think that's a big part of driving a successful vision businesses. You want everybody to be able to come into your team understand the direction of travel. And I think that's something that particularly in, in bigger businesses gets lost sometimes. And that's the joy that I have at this moment. I mean, we are growing to a size where we've got over 85 members of staff on the books. And I see how full the car park is every day. It's rewarding, but frightening in the same sense. But in these types of businesses where you've not got huge amounts of people, where you can pretty much know everybody by name and what the kids do and everything else, and aligning those people under the same message that nothing's left to chance, I think, does drive so much growth. Like it, like it. Okay. I'm just going to ask just two more questions to wrap us up. Cause yeah, of course. just 10 minutes left. And so do you think there's anything I should have asked you today, but I would know anything you want to include in the interview? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, one of the, one of the big things that I'd, I think is not spoken about enough in the industry is around the response with skills. And I think what the, I think until we can reach the kind of promised horizon of having operations where effectively you can take people from upskilled backgrounds into facilities and train them up quickly. And I know people are on a different spectrum of how far they are. But I think that there's a real issue with skills, both in the availability of skills of people that are available to work in the factories and apply some skilled work and some semi-skilled work. That continues to be a challenge. And I think that's because other industries are offering more compelling packages now to people where working on building sites and construction generally has always been not probably revered as a high profile industry to work in. So I think the skills are generally something that I think we all need to try and focus and work on, but also the back office skills we mentioned. It doesn't seem to me like at this moment in time, we are bringing through enough people who can see the manufacturing skill, construction skill, commercial awareness, it seems like that's very concentrated pockets. One thing we do at NBA quite well is to try and develop people so that they can see the whole range of things. But really, I think I think that the criticalness of the skill is an element of the industry, which is currently, whilst it's profiled, is not probably, it's not. I think a lot of people are burying their heads in the sand that this is a, a problem that will go away. I just don't see it happening. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I see that as being the biggest challenge, really, and really something that I think needs to be out there a bit more for people to discuss. And I think 
offsite companies in general have got a way to lead on that process. We have, we do have a lot of things that we take for granted, which is we have standard ways of working. We have, we have often up further foresight of the pipeline so we can bring in new people. We have good processes that are easy to train people on to, to dive out on. And there's opportunities in what is a growing market to really achieve people's ambitions in terms of pay, benefits, a variety of work is an important one. And I've seen people, you, you had Dan on previously, Dan's career of what he's achieved and, and what I'm currently achieving, both of us, we talk reasonably regular about how there's not the like, same levels of like social mobility in other industries. Whereas in the offsite world, the horizons are so new and so the opportunities are so big. Yeah. And so broad in terms of skill sets that actually I think, you know, people really need to look at it as a solid opportunity for them in their careers. And it's just great to see so many people thriving and doing well on a personal and professional level. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that I've looked at the sector in the past and Tom and I have sucked in. It's almost like the internet at the beginning. People are still working some things out as industry standards are still being developed. People skills are still being sort of ensured to recognize like how do you bring that in? Um, but also there, you mentioned about the opportunity. Things moved fast and far in a short space of time for people in the early days of the internet. And you're right in the sector currently as well. It's just scaling at the rate. I mean, we, we've seen such sizable increase in opportunities and that's not just representative towards that so it's a sector-wide approach yeah i just i really do think it's if more people knew that i think more people would take you know what appears on the face of it to be a bit of a chance but i think it'll pay for a lot of people who are coming in and looking to, to make a change and a difference and want to progress themselves at the same time yeah i think that's not said widely enough so i'm glad that you've said that and you've raised that thank you true great lovely well you have a great rest of the day good Really, very much. Really appreciate that. Thank you, Chris. Lovely to meet you too. All right, then. Thank you very much. See you soon. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by Trunk, the dynamic scheduling platform for off-site construction. Harnessing AI to help your factory deliver more each day. Check out www.trunk.works to find out more.